What the If is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Genetic pickpocket edition. Mischievous geneticists running amok. Yeah, one of my roommates in college was a geneticist, and he was always like stealing my mac and cheese and things. So <laughs> I've, I've learned not to <laughs> trust him. I assume from he stole the. E- Go ahead, Gabby. Oh, I was going to say, from this, we can extrapolate then that all geneticists are mac and cheese thieves. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> my, that's right. My sample size of n equals one has persuaded me. That's <laughs> the case. And I assume he stole the uh, just a single container of mac and cheese, not the entire genetic line. No, actually, just a single noodle. But yeah. just, uh, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> just not just a <laughs> and then he could he could replicate his own. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> then he just <laughs> stuck it in the PCR, and cranked out more. <laughs> that's what. Uh, that's those sonorous, sonorous tones, whatever that word is, are, uh, Professor Matthew Stanley of the New York, not the New York, of New York University, mm-hmm. which goes without participle. That's correct. Or, We're participle free here. Participle after. free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how are things down there? Quiet, I guess, this semester. Uh, is done. actually I'm teaching a summer class, so, um, uh-huh. it's uh, nonstop excitement. Oh, fantastic. And this is your Carl Sagan class. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Does, does that class have a name? Or is it, just... uh, it is, in fact, called Carl Sagan with the um, subtitle of, what is it? Cosmos to Nuclear Winter. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Little bit of a buzzkill. Little but, bit. That's Sagan for that, you, though. Yeah. That's good. That's good. If I'd done it, it would have been called the Carl Sagan Experience. And far fewer people would have shown up. I think they, would. but everyone you would have to wear a turtleneck. I think that'd be part of the that would be required. Yeah, part of the Carl Sagan cosplay class. <laughs> uh, also with us, as always, is uh, I almost said professor, not not yet professor, not yet <laughs> uh, soon uh, soon to be professor. Um, STBP uh, Gabby Panicia, virologist from Rockefeller University. How are you? How was your good. summer? Do you it's, are you do you have a summer? No, your, I don't. No. And actually, I'm cra- I'm busier now than I am in the winter, which is kind of like a little hysteric. Like I'm I'm chomping at the bit a bit for to take some time and just like run away from the lab. Um, but delightfully, <laughs> we have kind of an uh, a way to blow off steam. The uh, the graduate student parties have becoming increasingly unhinged in theme. <laughs> Um, cause before we would just get together and hang out and throw a barbecue, but the themes have really caught on in the last two years because we don't often get the chance to see each other with the pandemic and what have you. So when we have these little glimpses where we can, we've gone a lot more all out. Um, so like last year in the summer when cases were low, we had a kegger and we threw a frat party and none of us, I think were ever in a frat, um, <laughs> for Friday the 13th, which is last weekend two weekends ago something like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they had a combo showing of the ring and i think they did a seance to try to like get the advice of like past nobel laureates for their experiments <laughs> um 
today we have prom, which is hype. Oh, it's totally like right. informal. But a lot of us never had proms because there's like a bunch of international students and whatnot. So they're like, I want a good old American prom. So we're at throwing a prom, which is just like going to wow. be a lot of fun. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of stoked. Wow. Yeah, that's exciting. That should be fun. That just made me nervous because I didn't go to prom. I was too chicken. And uh, so do you have a whole outfit and everything? Will there be limos? Yeah, no, we're not going that far. I do have a whole outfit. I'm wearing a suit this time, which I'm very hype about. Um, And I'm actually going to be making boutonnieres for people uh, before the prom so that, you know, we we get to really prom it up. I had like an all right prom experience, but I was kind of a square in high school. And so like, I feel like I'll be able to actually like unwind a little bit more at a not, (laughs) you know, prom where I'm not just 18. It's going to be nice. It's so funny you say that because I was just, I was in Washington, D.C. last week. Some people may remember. And uh, I met up with an old friend of mine who I've, you know, maintained. We, we've been in touch uh, all the time. But uh, we went to high school together. And the restaurant he picked for us to get together to meet for dinner happened to be just like two doors down from where our prom was. Okay. Where I had chickened out and he had gone. So he continues to lord it over me. Yeah, yeah. that's reasonable. It was at the Capitol Hilton for those who were there. I'm sure I, don't I, heard I, I don't think I would even remember where my prom was. I'd have to really I, think yeah, about I, it. Yeah. Nope. I remember because it was right next to the Russian embassy, and it still uh, well, is. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> worth remembering. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, wonderful. So this week we have, uh, we have an if uh, pulled from the headlines, ripped from the news, ripped from the headlines, as they say. Um, before we do that, uh, Matt, would you like to tell people, those who have just stumbled in here, they've just graduated, they've just had their prom, they've woken up after a night of partying, and uh, what in the world, what podcast are they listening to? What's happening here? Uh, well, you're listening to a podcast where we um, change reality underneath your feet. Woo! Um, As if that change... didn't happen last night. Am I right? Crickets. Yeah. Hey. They're waiting on that. Yeah. In my just head, like, I'm just like, what, what news did I miss last night? Like, cause the news cycle has been be? so fast and so the terrible. Prom. I was like, the prom. I, <laughs> that was a real prom chaperone joke. Yeah. Right. Matt. Nice. So much like <laughs> prom chaperones, our job here is to, to mess with your plans uh, and your plan here is probably to assume that um, the universe is going to stay the way it is. Uh, yep. But instead, we're going to mess with that. Um, we'll change something about uh, about the universe. Um, what if there were no stars? Uh, what if toes could talk? Um, and then we uh, run with that and uh, hopefully learn some science along the way. What if toes could talk? You know, every time we do these intros, Matt, you come up with a brilliant idea. For the <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm noting that down. Um, Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And so, Gabby, just before we we specify the if, can you give us a little background? What was the news story? How did we come to this? And then we will we will raise the if flag and announce the uh, thought experiment of the week. Yeah. So basically, Phil sent out an email um, with a couple of different news stories, uh, but one of them that was kind of neat was that it was a, a New York Times story. Uh, these mushrooms borrowed the same deadly toxin from a mysterious source. Um, so essentially it was about horizontal gene transfer granting like three different types of mushrooms um, a deadly toxin that it seems like they stole from the same source, um, which 
scientists don't know what that would be yet. Um, and so it sort of got us thinking, you know, there's a lot of other times that stuff like this happens. And gene thievery has happened multiple times gene through the thievery. course. <laughs> That's a good... I'm just imagining... Like, you know, I used to like... work at the mall, and I'm pretty sure that gene thievery was something that happened quite a bit. You watched at the, yeah, at I, the I was going to say, store. gene yeah. thievery sounds like a good drag king name for me. Yeah. No, like... that yeah, that's right. <laughs> drag king name. I've not heard um, that term before, drag king. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, these kind of things have happened before. It's really fun, um, but it's never really run amok. Uh, so I think right. we found an Running opportunity to dial it up to 11. All right, dialing right. it up to 11. Amok, yeah. amok time. And we ask, what the if? Gene thievery. We're running amok. And we don't mean the denim kind. We yeah, mean, yeah, the double helix or whatever it is. The part I don't even know. Gabby can help us. We'll find out. We'll find out. Pickpocketing jeans. All right, so Gabby, so where does this? Where do we begin? Who who is about to have their jeans stolen? What's the scenario? What do we see? Yes. So I should probably start talking about what horizontal gene transfer is, how it usually happens. Um, Because it sounds kind of funny. We're all pretty familiar with vertical gene transfer. That's when a parent has a kid. Um, Some of their genetic information is passed on in a kid. Or if you happen to be a bacteria and you reproduce entirely asexually, that's also... Well, sometimes they also reproduce sexually. Anyway, um, Basically, that vertical gene transfer is, you know, either all or some of a parent's genes uh, going into a child. But horizontal is kind of fun um, because it means that you're getting genes from an organism that is not related to you. Um, And it's usually done actually by viruses or by some sort of element like that. Um, So the reason why this happens is essentially you get either a virus that has inserted itself into DNA. And when it leaves, it takes with it a bit of another, of, you know, adjacent DNA um, and sort of packages that up. And then the next thing that it goes into, it can get inserted into the genome. Um, And these things can kind of happen different ways depending on the situation. Um, But essentially it's that, you know, host DNA in some way gets taken up by a virus and gets slapped into another organism. Um, so, so for those, just to help those uh, like myself who begin at the beginning, at the beginning, at the beginning, um, we're looking at some strand of DNA inside something. Is that correct? So we see a d- double helix thing inside yeah, yeah. some creature. And so part of that sequence, that double helix, will be, say, a virus that has put its DNA into that organism. These things are not uncommon. You know, you think of HIV as a retrovirus, but it actually turns out that in our genome are tons and tons of um, extinct retroviruses. And actually 20% of our genome is something called a retrotransposon, um, which is a parasitic genetic, genetic element that does not belong to us. It moves around, and actually they're kind of implicated potentially in being really helpful to evolution because they can kind of remix some stuff, maybe accidentally make something that's beneficial. Um, and sometimes retrotransposons can also jump. Um, so it's a little bit of a funky, it's, it's 
DNA, I've called it inert before, but it's a bit of a funkier environment um, than a lot of schools cover uh, in like your basic bio education. It's really See, neat. If they told us DNA was funky, I think I would have paid more attention. So, so beginning, beginning before it's even stolen, right? So we're looking at the the DNA that is about to have a piece of it snatched or copied, I guess is what it is, right? So what kind of creature are we looking at? What's the one that is, uh, has yet to have uh, some interloper come grab part of its DNA? Are we... I mean, it could be anything. It could be like anything. This, no one is safe, kind of nicely. <laughs> I mean, generally... I, I will say the what is possible to transfer between things is kind of dependent on what type of organism it is a little bit. So, for example, it's hard for, you know, a non-bacteria to get bacteria genes because the way that the genes are regulated is different. Essentially, they can't be read the same. They're almost kind of in the same language, but like a different dialect. If you ever try to read like ye old English or something like that, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? That's kind of like it. They're still using the same amino acid code, what have you, but the way you start reading is different. Um, so I love these you, bacteria speaking in Chaucer's, yeah. Chaucer's language. <laughs> so so I, don't know, I don't know if this is a, a, quite the right question to ask, but why do the viruses do this? Why do it's an they accident. moving around? Oh, okay. That's it, a it's, side effect of doing something else? Yeah, it's, it's purely an accident. Um, so, it, okay, situations can vary too depending on what is actually doing the moving. Um, because different viruses have different mechanisms for doing things, different reasons why. In something like bacteria, when you have um, things like uh, lysogenic phages, they integrate into the bacteria's genome for part of its life cycle. And then if things start going downhill with the bacteria, like it's getting sick, the virus is like, okay, it's kind of time to leave this party. Like it's not really doing so hot. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then what it does is it cuts itself back out. And then... Whoa reproduces, makes a ton more virus, and then busts the bacteria and, you know, gets out of there. So the I mean, virus things... was alive within the strand of the... I'm just having trouble just getting just the initial, initial image. So I can imagine, so a bacteria, and inside the... Um... It essentially becomes synonymous with the DNA. There is no other part of the virus alive around. It is fully integrated into. It is indistinguishable Whoa. from the host. And that's why viruses are weird, because you can have the coding sequence of a virus. You can have essentially the entire genetic code of a virus, but it could be completely silent, not doing anything. Weird. But it's actually in the strand of DNA. It's not floating yeah. out independently. Yep. Right. And yet, and it's still alive, though, or it could wake up. It could wake up. <laughs> yeah. What? It's It's more like, think more in the context of like, it being alive as opposed to like hibernating and more like you've desiccated an algae bear or something like that. Something that's like, <laughs> it it's not going to just wake up on its own. It's in a pretty stable state, um, huh. but it's, but it, it's it can a, a, be re a, a section of your DNA suddenly becomes sentient, so to speak, and is like, I'm out. Like, a, a, like a, a railroad track. I can imagine a railroad track, right? And it's as if, a piece of that railroad track suddenly was like, I'm actually an independent creature. And uh, Just no mimicking trains. a railroad track. Yeah. Is yeah. it like that? Yeah. yeah. You have a genetic Whoa. sleeper agent, basically, is, is kind of what Man, these I I integrated viruses will do. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you guys, but the genome, it's conspiring against you. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, and so we, we were talking about pickpocketing, but in this case, it's actually more like it's, it's as if just the thing in your pocket just decided to leave. It's not someone yeah. coming in and mm -hmm. stealing it. Yeah, and so sort of where the pickpocketing comes in is if we manage to sort of hijack this. But these things kind of happen mm -hmm. naturally in general. Like, you know, anytime a virus accidentally picks up genes, it's an accident, but, you know, it there could be an incentive for it to keep it or just any random reintegration of that gene into a different organism could be beneficial for the organism and just not weed it out. Um, so funky things happen. I mean, like I said, too, there's retrotransposons, which... Their whole genetic program is just to move somewhere else. That's it. That's all they do. Um, they cut them. They transcribe themselves. They cut themselves out. They move themselves somewhere else, which wow. seems weird and stupid and irrelevant. But bit, things yeah. happen with it. Yeah, they have a wanderlust. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And do the, you know, we talk about the genes transferring, but are do they move? as units or is it just a random segment of dna that gets moved from place to place and sometimes that happens to bring a gene along does that question make sense yeah yeah so it would okay. be a random segment so it's okay. not like the virus is going through the genome and going okay well i want this and i want this, <laughs> this it's like not a nice one. <laughs> yeah it's not like doing some window shopping or what have you with the genome it's sort of just like whatever's next to it it is getting out and just like grabbing whatever is on the table next to it and, and going. Because, um, you know, this kind of an accident, it's sort of like, you know, if it's cutting itself out, it could cut too big of a piece or what have you or transcribe too big of a piece because of some error. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's sort of just like the nice, funky chance that one of these things happens to work out well. And then, of course, we can kind of direct things more. And as scientists, we sort of exploit some of this for uh, for science. Um, but we have more directed ways of doing it than just sort of the natural random nature chance. All right. I guess that's reassuring. Yeah. So could this happen in a person? I mean, yeah, but it's very rare and it might be one of those things that, you know, a person never notices it because think about if you get one weird virus that happens to infect, I don't know, a skin cell. Mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. it might not replicate right. It might not insert right. Your immune system might fight it off. Also, if it infects your skin, skin's kind of mostly dead, so it just kind of sloughs off. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of chances for it to never, ever be passed on to any offspring. Um, so it really is like a one in a trillion chance. Um, although I will say ALU elements like retrotransposons do move around more frequently. So it's like one in a hundred births or something like that has a, a movement mm. of one of those um okay. but that's just sort of an intra genome thing so virus genetics do weird things inside people all the time like these weird <laughs> movable elements but an actual bona fide horizontal gene transfer can be kind of rare of course okay. given that there are millions and billions of things in nature essentially rare can be quite common in the fact that you observe it relatively like there's a large sample size, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's common um, in the system, but not in any individual piece of this. Um, yeah, exactly. Now, what we're talking about here is, is a virus getting up and walking away. It sounded like what you were talking about uh, and what, what the, the newspaper article was talking about was, for instance, more like a trait of some kind being shared from one 
to another. In other words, the 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 article in the New York Times that we were referencing um, was about a poison being shared. Yeah. That, so, so the what, what, the pathogen is often the medium that transfers the gene mm-hmm. between two things. Uh, so, for example, the um, actually, you know, just ahead, be- yeah. before we go too far, let me just uh, mention the. Um, um, asking me to log in now um uh, i was just gonna cite the here we go so um i'll just read the headline and then and just cite the uh, the article so so the headline is these that's from the trilobites section of the new york times these mushrooms borrowed the same deadly toxin from a mysterious source and it's the author is uh veronique greenwood so go ahead gabby yeah, so, so the pathogen is the medium that helps the gene transfer, but the gene is still actually from something else. Um, so, mm-hmm. for example, in the article, the example that they give is that uh, another paper, there was uh, that genes had moved between snakes and frogs living in the same forest habitat by hitching a ride on shared parasites. Things like this happen. Um, and so well, essentially... So, oh, so sorry, say that again? That was... The genes had moved between snakes and frogs that were living in the same habitat by hitching a ride on a parasite that they shared. They moved from snakes to frogs by hitching a ride on a parasite. Okay. And this was, yeah, so, a, this was a gene for some poison. No, no, no. That, that oh. was separate. I don't know what genes they were looking at there. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but, but the point is, is that you know pathogens help mediate these kind of weird genes for, gene transfers that, you know, complicate phylogeny when you're trying to like explain the interrelationships of things it's like a weird shortcut Um, yeah yeah. so that's basically what they think happened in the mushrooms or that there was some other thing where i don't know maybe mushrooms have some mechanism of horizontal gene transfer because fungi are so weird it would not surprise me to find something like that out (laughs) right um but essentially the idea was that the um the toxin alpha amant amantin i didn't i was always pronouncing it as amantin there's an uh, extra i there that really threw me off um uh, basically it's it's an extremely lethal toxin um and apparently they all got it from some other source that there was some kind of gene transfer from another organism that took whole cloth this gene and slapped it into different mushrooms yeah and uh, that's what puzzled them i was reading in in, in the article that it's okay for something to go from one to another. We've seen that before. But to see the same thing go from one thing to multiple other creatures is really unusual or is a new discovery. Well, it seems interesting in the fact that apparently all of the, the gene clusters are kind of... How do I explain this? They're equidistant from the origin one. So genes huh. change over time. And you can track sort of branches of the evolutionary tree by how they've changed, in what ways they've changed. So, for example, if we share the same gene as a rodent and you look at the way that gene has changed in primates versus the way that it's changed in rodents, every rodent is going to cluster similarly together in the way that that gene has changed versus Mm. humans and primates where, you know, the primate genes are going to cluster similarly. But what's neat about this is it's they all sort of seem to have gotten it around the same time or what have you. They all got it probably from the same source, too. Um, it's not like one of them got it 
And then, you know, now there were two that had it and then three more got it from each of those two. It No, it seems like they all got it from one source and they don't know what the source is. So it doesn't seem like they got it from just one of each other, perhaps it, it, something else. It's like they all attended the same concert yeah. <laughs> and, and got the yeah, same do we thing. Need to do contact tracing for. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Matt, um, you have a question. All right. So now, I guess, so now that we know this is possible, how do we turn it to our benefit? Um, ah, can we yes. can we train viruses to grab the genes we want from other things? Begin the evil. Yeah. Yes. Um, Let the evil manipulation begin. Or the good. Excuse me. I shouldn't assume that it would no. become evil, but pretty much. I can assume. So the kind of cool place about this is there's not much virus training we have to do because I've talked about this a lot on the show where viruses are, are really well-made like Swiss watches almost. They're very <laughs> intricate, but they have you know, programs, things do other things. Like you can track what's causing what. Um, so you can take out the viral genes responsible for integrating um, uh, their DNA and essentially use those and then plus a gene that you want to put into a thing and then sort of deliver that DNA packaged like a virus. Um, and so then you sort of make this synthetic virus that its whole job is to just deliver a gene. It has nothing else that makes a virus pathogenic like you would think of, nothing else that really makes it spread. Its whole genetic information is just put gene in thing. Um, and it's it's kind of a neat system how you do it. It's really fun. Um, wow. But it's, it's something that we use all the time. Like literally I, I'm doing it right now. Um, right now so at your it, desk. This very instant? <laughs> well, I mean... It's ongoing. I put all the stuff in the cells and they're just kind of doing their thing now. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that we've hijacked for a while now because it's very useful in the way that, all right, you want to study this protein, but it doesn't exist in this cell. Throw it in there. Or you'll see it a lot of, okay, you're studying what this gene does. You knock it out and then you say, all right, well, what happens if we throw in all of these mutant forms of the gene that it was? Well, to do that, you have to put the gene back in. And so mm -hmm. you have to put the gene back in, usually using a virus. Um, so it's a very like interestingly contrived system, but it's also not something we really apply to people. Like it's something that we just do to cells in a dish. I was gonna say um, I just had an image from the from the these are bacteria you're putting. No, these are in? these are cells, just, like just regular cells. I had an image from the cells point of view of this being like an alien abduction scenario. Yeah. Like, you know, they were hanging uh, yeah. out, mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, I don't know, they got some something came along and stuck a needle in them and they changed. You know, uh, foreign foreign objects were put inside them, and Bob's different. You know, Bob's changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really funny about that in the context of a cell is like if you transfected with like a GFP or something like that. Like, if Bob's a little different. Like, he's got this glow about him, and Bob is now like a brilliantly GFP cell, um, fluorescent as all get out. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, if we wanted to, let's see here, mess with things a little. Bit. Like if we, if we, you mentioned that, you know, it only happens very rarely, but there's, you know, there's so many of them that it still pops up. Um, if we wanted to turn the dial up on how frequently this happens, mm. um, what might we get out of that? Let's say, I don't know, make it a million times more frequent than it is now. Yeah. So, I mean, typically speaking, the first thing that you do when you really mess with biology and dial things up to 11 is you get like super cancer 
Um, <laughs> it's, and I feel like I got to have that. Yeah, I got to have that caveat because, of course, if you're just throwing new genes in everywhere, there's a chance you'll start disrupting things that are actually really important mm. Um, mm. and start shutting down important processes. Yeah. Um, and especially like, you know, if these are going in all sorts of different cells, some cells are still actively dividing. Um and so then you'd make more of these weird guys, and then that's it's just going to be a sort of whole Cronenberg mess. Um, but <laughs> assuming a certain amount of serendipity uh, and slash or control, um, it would be really neat to see what stuff we could pick up or what have you, or even just ways to change our own alleles. Um, so, for example, we've had a pandemic for the last two years. Surprise, surprise to anyone who might be listening to this in the future. Um, <laughs> And, you know, there were gene variants that were identified that were associated with a higher risk of critical disease. Hmm. And if you could just get an allele that's less vulnerable from somebody else, great. Uh, What's an allele? It's a version of a gene. Uh -huh. um, so even though we all have the same genetic makeup because we're people, the versions of the genes that we carry will be slightly different as determined hmm. by our particular lineage. Um, so me and a sibling that I don't actually have might have the same alleles or, you know, I might have gotten, you know, yeah, yeah, we probably have a similar combination of, um, but essentially like you guys who are not related to me would have a different combination or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of subtle genetic variability is actually really important to our population uh, because it means we don't all get wiped out by and large by the same disease. Um, mm -hmm. It means we all have slightly varying fitness and abilities in different things. It's... Um, pretty useful in, in like thinking about how variable humans can be right so matt what would you like to do that's an interesting question um well actually so this uh, one of the things i'm I, i'm pondering here is that a lot of the adaptations i might want are clearly dependent on larger systems right so my first thought was well, i'd love to have gills right uh -huh. but presumably gills by themselves aren't going to do me much good. I need some large gas exchange biochemical pathways in my body as well, right? Actually, gills might be a relatively straightforward one, if only because, I mean, ah. first of all, constructing gills are difficult. That is a, that, it's not an easy feat biologically, <laughs> I, I know, especially once you're yeah. an adult. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Matt tinkering away in his workshop trying to give himself gills. Um, but the most Good important thing about from the blue lagoon. <laughs> yeah. um, the most important thing about you know gills is, is that there's you know blood vessels going out that way, um, okay. and so it's just the fact that you have vessels close to the air um, that mediates the gas transfer. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you're right. Constructing the gills in general is, is pretty hard. Yeah, there's a lot that goes yeah. into that in just the way of you have to reroute all these veins. You have to just in general make weird protrusions. Probably have to secrete some stuff to keep it wet. Or even just the bioluminescence, right? That'd be a start. Mm -hmm. I and think I, bioluminescence would be fun. Yeah. I would like to be able to turn it on and off, though, because like yeah. my wife would be very upset if I <laughs> yeah. just glowed all night. <laughs> I, um, I mean, my I snoring already keeps her up, but it's glowing <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, the that's last straw is the bioluminescence. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's the curse of the modern age. Why does everything have an LED built into it? Mm -hmm. The damn things, right? Everything okay. glows. For those of us who live in small apartments, everything. My printer, come on. I don't need you to flash. 
every 30 seconds just to tell me you're on. Um, but yes, if I could, but okay, so this is what it is. Biolum controllable bioluminescence where people could, your mood could be expressed, right? Oh, by your, by yeah. your color. It'd be kind of cool. Basically like an aura. Um, is this the kind of thing we can use these processes to, uh, to make happen? Would that yeah, be? yeah. So there are some things that don't require too much guidance, I should say, or infrastructure. I guess infrastructure, infrastructure. is probably <laughs> better. Uh, um, so, for example, the thing that always comes to mind for me is uh, fly or fly luciferase. Um, essentially, fly luciferase. It's it's the luciferase. enzyme that essentially you have two two components. Um, luciferase, which is an enzyme, and then luciferin, which is its substrate. Um, and there's essentially just some cleavage, um, and I think it also requires some ATP. But hmm. you get stuff that glows, and it's nice. It's fireflies. Cool. They're able to blink on and off, um, which I think partially has to do with how they control the release of that in the light organ. I don't exactly remember too much about fireflies besides catching them as a kid. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, I think. And so we could do that with essentially just a couple of genes, which is kind of nice. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so uh, is there a way, if we could visualize this happening, if we could see it, like you mentioned how it happens all the time, not for any individual creature, but if we could look down on the earth and see this transfer happening, what might be, like if there was a satellite view looking down, how, what do you think that would look like? If we had tracers inside all these different uh, things. So every time this, uh, what do you call it? This horizontal gene transfer, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Every time this happened, there was like a little spark. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a hard thing to visualize for me because as a scientist, it's like we know it happens randomly and a lot. Like it, it, you'd probably get a flash every day, mm, mm, mm. a couple mm -hmm. flashes every day. Right, okay. but I couldn't like, tell you where or when or how. I mean, bacteria. You, actually, bacteria you'd get a lot of noise. Um, but if there's a way of differentiating mammalian versus bacteria, because bacteria pick up a lot of random crap. Um, so, so you might see a lot of just general fuzz noise because bacteria. But if you were looking for like, oh, mammalian big gene transfers, then that might be less uh, less right. frequent. Right, right. So wrapping up, Gabby, what do you think? What does this say to you when you think about this? Phenomenon. What does it say to you about life or the process of life? I don't think it's, I just think it's cool. I mean, biology <laughs> is weird. Cool. That's good. It's, well, I remember when I was actually learning about genetics more in like my sophomore year of genetics class, like the stuff that they didn't teach me in high school, there was so much more that made it interesting. I mean, we think of DNA as immutable, inert, this sort of just blueprint for everything. Yep. But then when you yep. start learning about selfish genes that hijack, the subsequent organism if they don't get inherited together like you learn about all of these ways in which literally just genes themselves are doing all of these weird and wonky things it is really neat um and i just kind of like the idea of we're just randomly pickpocketing genes from everything that you know the <laughs> body modifications of this society are going to be insane mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. that's so i love that 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 the, the essentially what you're saying is DNA and the whole genetic system is much more dynamic uh, than we're giving it credit for. 
Um, yeah, and that's really different yeah. than the way people thought and about this even recently. Yeah. Oh, even recently. So this is a newer. Yeah, like kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, Crick of Crick and Watson fame used to call this the fundamental dogma of biology that DNA does not change. Ah, it's wow. all, all the changes are uh, all, all the everything happens one way. DNA controls everything else, and there's nothing that goes the other way. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And you know he was full of crap in all did, sorts of ways. Yeah, one of my favorite things is like the scathing letter he wrote to like no, it was Watson. It's Watson's just a terrible human being. Mm-hmm. The yeah. scathing letter he wrote to like Howard Temin about like his Temin was sure that it, that this was not the central dogma that things were going the other way, and he was he had some assorted spatterings of evidence that it seemed like it was going the other way too, um, but he couldn't find an enzyme that did it, like whatever was acting on it. Spoiler, we know it's reverse transcriptase. Um, <laughs> and Wadsworth, the scathing letter about like, you're just chasing nothing, what have you. And then of course, Howard Temin and David Baltimore won a Nobel Prize yeah. for breaking the central dogma. <laughs> <laughs> so the truth is the DNA is a party. DNA is a, it's a rave. There's, there's stuff going on all the time. Things do be happening. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, uh, Matt, is there anything you would uh, like to plug coming up? Carl Sagan, um, perhaps. Uh, well, the class has already begun, so it's too late for that. Yeah. Um, no, nothing too exciting going on. Nothing too exciting. Summer's summer in New York. Mm-hmm. Come to New York. Yeah, those sure. Those of you who can come, wear Good your fun. mask. You should wear your mask anyway. Even before the pandemic, you should have been wearing a mask. So just a safe practice when you come to New York. Mm-hmm. But uh, things are happening. Things are happening. I was down in the village again, Matt, recently. Oh, and, and things were lively. Music mm-hmm. was playing. In fact, it was uh, the other day, it was um, Bob Dylan's birthday. And there was That's like right. a yeah. marathon happening in Washington Square. They were playing uh, hundreds and hundreds of songs in a row, Bob Dylan songs. It was wonderful. Uh, Gabby, anything you'd like to plug? Nothing new, really. And, uh, Nothing new. Since I don't know when that thing is coming out, I'll uh, hold off until I have a release date. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, so, uh, Matt, if you would like to help us, uh, help the pickpocketers and uh, those who are about to have their pockets picked, mm-hmm. um, or the spontaneous uh, self-pocket picketing, picking pivot that's happening, <laughs> um, what's right. our closing ritual? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're you're walking down the street and decide to save a little bit of time so you cross through this dark alley uh, connecting 42nd and 43rd street uh, and suddenly you realize you're being followed by an enormous horde of viruses and you realize that they're after your genes um, and you suddenly scream what the don't forget patreon patreon.com slash what the if Maybe we should start offering jeans, new pairs of jeans to replace the ones you've lost. Uh, Sponsored by Levi's. But if not, in the meantime, there's hoodies, there's mugs, there's all kinds of things. Become a member. Become a super iffer. Patreon.com slash whattheif. Or just go to our website, whattheif.com. Find all our other episodes. And you can find us on Twitter as well, at whattheifshow. The whattheifs are everywhere. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 